boys and girls. We are back with our human experience. And today, Melissa and I have the distinguished pleasure of sitting with our good friends and colleagues, Mike and Sarah Penkin. Mike and Sarah are both doctors of chiropractic and they own Pinnacle Hill Chiropractic. Um, today, we're gonna chat a little bit about them working together as husband and wife in within their business and then starting to look at planning a family and how those things kind of all play with one another, some of the considerations they have to make uh, and some of the challenges they'll be presented with and opportunities to shape what that looks like for them as time goes by. So before we get started, I just want to turn it over, Mike or Sarah, whoever wants to go first, just a little bit of background about yourself, introduce yourself to everyone and we'll go from there. Would you like to introduce us? Go ahead, kick it off. Okay. <laughs> So, um, I'm Sarah and Mike and I opened our practice. I've been in practice with him for about six years now. And he started the practice in 2013 when he graduated from school. And then about a year and a half later, I joined him in practice. Um, about a year and a half after that is when we expanded to our current location in Brighton. Um, but before that, we actually started with a very, very small practice space. We had two tiny little treatment rooms in a office building on Monroe Avenue in Pittsburgh and we started with what 240 220 square feet 220 Ooh, square feet massive we, yes it's very big <laughs> we had a shared um bathroom. waiting room bathroom and it was all in one room it was it was very very small so when Mike first opened the practice he had one of those tiny little treatment rooms was his treatment room and the other one was his office and then at the point where I wanted to join the practice there was we weren't busy enough where we could expand to anything bigger so then i took over his office and then we did everything out of those two rooms we saw patients we answered the phone we did billing we wrote our patient notes had our coats hanging up on the back of the door like yeah. everything was done in these two tiny little rooms true multi-purpose yes um and then we were able to expand in the winter so early of 2016 to our current space um, and that's when we hired our very first employee. So we had a massage therapist at that time, and then slowly we got a receptionist, and now we're up to two receptionists, two massage therapists, and five chiropractors. Um, awesome. Which is awesome. And we also have our kinetic strength and wellness movement space, movement studio that is on the lower level of our office, which is awesome. So thank you for also joining us in our new and improved space. But we've slowly been growing as a practice. It's definitely been interesting having your business partner for your spouse, um, <laughs> which I'm sure you guys also understand <laughs> yeah. a little yeah. bit of. Um, can speak to that. Yeah. It was funny, actually. So I came in here and I said to Chad and Melissa as soon as I got here, you know, this is going to be an interesting conversation because Mike and I just about wanted to kill each other last night. <laughs> ah, the joys of living and working together and having vested interests. Yeah. You never Let's... know. Like we could have came in and been like, this is so great. We love working together. And then last night we just about wanted to kill each other. So well, one of, one of the things that, uh, sorry, Mike, I'm going to cut you off there, but one of the things that we want to make sure while we're talking, our goal here on our human experience is to make sure that we're being open and vulnerable about a lot of these things, about the things, the pros and the cons and the things that we love about our situations and our and the things we've experienced throughout our lives and the things that are challenging and to the people have to consider. Because I think just like yesterday, yesterday we spoke with Casey Bard from Tactic Calories, you know, about taking the leap to starting your own business. And there's a lot of information around 
like how great it is. Then you just get up, you do your passion, you grind. And it's like, oh, well, positive, positive, positive. And then someone goes down that route because they're all m- fucking motivated about it, right? And they should be. And then they get there like, wait a second, I still have shitty days. What is this about? <laughs> Everyone told me it was going to be wonderful, right? Like, And it's the same thing when people set out on endeavors like what you guys have done and similarly to what Melissa and I have done. So I, I think it's awesome that you guys had some uh, <laughs> passionate discussions last night before coming in today. I think That's it's a beautiful thing. It. Passionate discussion. That's one way to put it. I feel like the issue... So normally during the day, it's pretty fine working together. We have offset schedules. We built our schedule so we never see each other at the office, basically. But also, <laughs> which is a valuable thing to do. Yes. Like, don't it, for any of you that are listening that you know maybe you're thinking about going into some sort of business venture with your uh, with your spouse, or you already are. I mean, Melissa and I actually worked together as teachers as well before mm-hmm. we moved back here and opened the gym and. The first two years, right? So the first two years that we were in California, we worked in the same position together. And we weren't necessarily with each other every minute of the day because we had different students that we would travel around and see. But we saw each other a lot all day and then a lot all night in an area where we had some friends that were from New York that we'd hang out with. But they lived a very different life than we did. So the vast majority of the time, it was just her and I hanging out with one another. And so when there was an opportunity, or I guess, a, yeah, it was an opportunity for one of the three of the adapted phys ed teachers to leave the adapted phys ed position because it was being cut and go to a regular health and phys ed. And I actually opted to do it, although the schedule that we had with APE was very cush and it was very nice. I left to a more restrictive schedule because it gave us time apart mm-hmm. so that then when we were together after that more so that, it, you know, it, we weren't like, Jesus, I've just been around you every waking moment of my day. So I think it's, like, you laugh, but I think it's a very smart move to say, let's make sure that our days are kind of staggered a little bit so we're not on each other's toes all the time. One of the, one of the big reasons why we did that was, for one thing, we have pets at home that yeah. uh, were, when we first got our dog, obviously he was, like, 12 weeks old, so he required a lot of attention. And so we wanted to make sure that he wasn't just in his crate all day we thought it would be good. I mean, the topic at hand is possibly going to be preparing for a family. We were like, oh, this will be great practice so that maybe we can avoid having a ton of extra child care mm-hmm. if we can just do the, the pass off. Like one of us goes to work early, the other one goes in later, and then the person that is at work, the other one is at home with the kid. And then we do a little swap and then we kind of reverse roles. So that's kind of how that started. Um, but then also it was the ability to not be around each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, so Sarah is Canadian and well, officially now a U.S. citizen. Dual. Uh, dual <laughs> citizen. And when she initially moved here, she had no friends, zero friends. So it was again, that situation where it's just us and we're around each other all the time. And she really like had nothing to do other than like hang out with me and I have a few friends in the area and and whatnot but it's interesting too as an adult it's hard to make friends unless you're doing things I guess so I came here I didn't know anybody in Rochester Mike's closest friends are all of his buddies from college and they a lot of them don't live in Rochester so I really didn't know how to make 
friends in a new community and I found it really difficult. And if I had to look back and say like what my mood was like when I first moved to Rochester, like I don't know if I would quite say that I was depressed, but I think I would say I was like melancholy a lot of the yeah. time. Like I definitely yeah, <laughs> like I definitely struggled with it because I'm a social person. I like thrive on social interaction and I started to become friends with some of the patients that were coming into my office on a regular basis. And then I started at CrossFit Boomtown and that's really where my friend group grew. And the person I am today is very different than the person I was in 2016 when I started practice and when I started, um, living in Rochester ultimately. So like our local friend group has grown a ton in the last three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously has nothing to do with what we're wanting to talk yeah. about today. But I think it's important to like realize how much that affects a person and how that affected our relationship because it was just, we saw each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And at that point we were still in that small office where we had you the had, same yeah, schedule. No like we weren't offset at that either. point. Right. Mm-hmm. So we were definitely dealing with that. But in our field, because we're spending so much time with a patient in our own treatment rooms, even if we had the same hours at the office, because we're busy now, we really wouldn't see each other at all if we had the same hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I think you touched on something there that's really valuable. And a lot of times what I like to try and do is bring some of these conversations, at least at certain points, back to a to a point that really anyone could resonate with, regardless of whether they're starting a family or they work with their spouse or they're thinking about that, is when you just had basically one another. And similar to Mm -hmm. what I I referenced with Melissa and I, it it sounds, there's a way that, that you can kind of romanticize that and that it sounds nice, but it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the other person to fulfill all of your needs. And that's just an unreasonable thing to ask uh, of anyone. And given, you know, where we are right now, you know, if you're listening and this is an old episode, we, it's, it's January of 2021. We have a lot of people that have spent much of the last year pretty isolated mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe only around a, a select handful of people, maybe just one or two other people in their lives. And that in and of itself can lend a tremendous amount of stress to that and I'm sure you guys will speak to this but if you have that sort of relationship that sh- sort of personal at home relationship where there's just kind of the two of you that are reliant on one another for all of your interpersonal needs and you have to go to work and present a professional appearance a professional service you can't bring all that weight and that baggage with you and that can be really challenging at times I know it has been for us many times so it, it, I'm glad that you brought that up like that, just kind of just having each other and why that is something to be weary of and not something to just kind of settle into and let the rest of your life drift away. And I think a lot of people allow that to happen one way or another. Oh, absolutely. One thing you mentioned there is is having to, obviously you can't bring all your baggage into the workplace. And one thing that kind of sucks is that about what we do we basically have to be on all the time. We have to put up this this front that like we're in a good mood, we're cheery, you know. We put this put this facade up, even if I'm you know having a really shitty day, or I'm I'm stressed out, or I'm frustrated with Sarah for something, or 
The dog. But a dog, my, <laughs> my parents, my family, like whatever sure. it is, it's it's kind of like we always have to be on. And it's it's different than having kind of a regular old nine to five job at like some big corporation where, you know, if I wanted to, I could maybe call in sick. Like being self employed, we can't we don't really have that luxury. And also we have to if let's say we we needed to call in sick, even if it's just a mental health day, we have to rearrange our entire schedule for that day mm-hmm. and find coverage and not every patient answers. That just makes phone. your mental health worse. Right. Like thinking yeah. about the fact that you're stressing about trying to make sure that there's coverage for things and you're trying to fix everything and like our patients gonna reschedule or are they just gonna fall off the schedule and say, I'll call back then, don't worry about it. Like yeah. it that causes more stress than anything. And I think that that you know, obviously now we're in a pandemic and if you kind of have a cold, you definitely have to call in sick now. But before, like a lot of self-employed people, if you weren't feeling well, like you pushed through and you True. went to yeah. work and you did what you had to do. And I'm yeah. sure there's healthcare providers that are listening to this around the city, around the country that are definitely understanding that like when you're ill, as long as you aren't throwing up, you are probably going to work. Um, now, obviously that's inappropriate, <laughs> but um, but it's harder it, it, to it's get. touched on choice, and I think that's like you—you you do have a choice to call in on those sick days, or to, or to show up and be grumpy as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like you're just way more in tune with the consequence of that choice, yeah. right? right? It, there's it falls on you versus if you are going to your you know nine to five job. If you don't call in, you may know that Deborah down in the next cubicle has to do a little bit of extra work. But outside of that, it's not you don't really have to go through a, a bunch of those hoops in order to make that happen it's a bit of an easier uh decision to make but ultimately it's one of the things i try and bring people back to a lot is that we do have choice i've said it to her a million times i said we have choice when we've hit hard times in the business like we could burn this motherfucker down and walk out the door (laughs) go live in a van live in a van sell all our shit and live in a van with our kids those tiny homes are really popular right i mean and we could we could do that if there's some Things to recognize with that choice. Some stressors associated with yeah. that. Yeah. Like down, right? down. There's downsides to it. It's and and that's ultimately what a lot of these conversations I feel are coming back to is you know whether someone's looking to start a business or go into business with their spouse or start a family, even if you're not working together, all of these things are choices, and none of them are are 100% a win, right? There, there's always going to be a cost for whatever the choices you made. It's just what are you willing to what to sacrifice in order to get this other element that is valuable to you or this thing that you want to accomplish or be a part of. I think one of the biggest hurdles that Chad and I have had to kind of work through is creating that boundary between work life and home life because we do it all together. I'm not sure that we're quite there yet. I'm not sure we're quite there yet either. I'm much more there than Sarah is. (laughs) I I can shut it off really easy. Yeah. I have an easier time than Chad as well, but... There is definitely, like, we were finding, and the kids have made it easier because it's difficult to have conversations at dinner. I would argue almost <laughs> you know? impossible. It's impossible to have a meaningful conversation at dinner. So, you know, now it's kind of, we're forced to turn it off. Mm-hmm. But it would be very easy for us to put the kids to bed and then jump back into work, right? And we've really tr- tried to take that time to not do that. Yeah, and and, and, and honestly, we probably should do that more than we do. But we've come, the, the beauty of having, of having nine or ten years yeah. of doing this is I've come to recognize, at least in myself, that that is not a healthy pattern for me. If if I start doing that, 
that builds to me being up all night. I'll fixate on stuff and I'll work on a project to, and then next thing I know I'll look up and it's two o'clock in the morning and now I'm not sleeping and I'm not, so just, even if I feel like, man, I, I'll, there's, I did it last night, I brought my computer home and I told her, I said, I'm gonna show you some edits that I had to make on yesterday's interview and I want you to listen to it. And I stopped myself after dinner, I'm like, don't do that. Cause then you're gonna be up all night just playing around with it and rewriting the description <laughs> in the show notes. Like just yeah. let it be until tomorrow. And I think this you, is a... So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So Melissa's been really helpful in me recognizing that because I used to just let that happen. Do you do you find yourself doing anything to support Sarah in like being able to kind of let go of that a little bit more? Or is that no, because then I freak out. <laughs> then I freak out. Um, so if this happened at the beginning of the year, literally I worked so hard. We both worked so hard in December because we were getting a new electronic health record system. And we worked so hard for the whole month. And we went away and we had like a week and a half off between the holidays and we still worked the entire time. And I was like, great, we're going to show up on January 4th and it's going to work. It'll be the smooth transition. <laughs> and it was an absolute mess. I thought I was going to have a stroke. Putting out fires the entire day. It was putting day. out fires the entire, entire first week. day, the entire week. It was a mess. I was like, I didn't sleep. I <laughs> was like going to sleep at 10 o'clock. I was up at... 2.30 and then I'd be up until 5 and I was just like on my phone stressing about things and it was just a nightmare. It was awful. It was absolutely awful. But I was like, just gotta push through. Just gotta push through. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And Mike was, he was helpful. He was like, what can I do to help? Can I do this? Can I do this? So like you helped me with the insurance stuff, was which was good. And now it's definitely leveled out. It has leveled out up until last night. We kind of mentioned <laughs> we were at each other's throats last night just because we were getting ready to, to, this week is a payroll week, so we had to run payroll. And in order to do that, we have to run all these reports and see who billed what and who's, you know, who's going to get reimbursed how. And we have percentages that we use. We have these different rules, and I put it all in Excel. And we're trying to generate these reports, and they're not generating the way that I'd like them to. And so Sarah's... Which is a like, little bit of his, like, engineering OCD <clears throat> stuff coming out, which is, you know... It works, Fine. all right? It, it works. works. It the end works. result is is Efficient. good, but it takes some time to get there. And so, again, this is the first time I've done it with this new system. So she's kind of just like, we'll get it done and, and make sure that everyone gets paid. And I'm like, well, yes, of course, everyone's going to get paid. And But it doesn't look the way that I want it to look. And then so she's like, how can I help? I say, I don't know. She gets frustrated that it's not done. And then we're like at each other's throats. Well, I have this issue where if things are left to the last minute, I kind of get into like a tizzy and I kind of have a bit of a freak out about it which is what was happening because it was left to the last minute which i said this morning leaving the house that we have to have a mutual understanding that we probably need here's to thing, not though. leave things to the last minute together here's the thing though <laughs> i do this every payroll period i don't I do ever it, do this <laughs> i do it like the wednesday before it has to be submitted on thursday so we can get paid on friday it's your process that's how it works and it always works but again with the new system that just it threw didn't a work. wrench in the gears <laughs> And it was just like bad. Have yeah, you guys ever not... done any of the personality tests or anything like looking at like work styles we, or anything? We have in the you've, past. You've known I us mean, both for a while. We I are mean, I know what you polar are. Opportunity. I am a type A <laughs> anal crazy human. <laughs> Everything um, has to be done on time in a, in a, in a well, certain so, fashion. So and... we are very similar. I mean, I don't know. I think you're 
you're better than Chad in many Whoa. ways. Um, <laughs> oh, different, different than Chad. Different than Chad, Mike. Synonyms, but, Melissa. You know, Sarah and I are very similar in that we like things organized. We like to have a plan. Like, we just met this morning for something that might not even happen for a year. I don't know when, <laughs> the, you know, what we're talking about is going to, you know, come to fruition. But Sarah's bitching because of that, by the way. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've come to realize, like, our communication styles are very different how we plan things or don't plan things, like being able to, you know, go off the cuff and be able to talk for two hours, like probably not something I'm going to be able to do. So, you know, that's helped us a lot in, in our business. I think it over the last few years is being yeah. able to learn for sure. And in our relationship too, like being able to learn different communication styles and you know expectations like we had an app with a to-do list like I would update the app every single day I'd look at it I'd date things I'd put in when I want things done I'd put in alerts for Chad to get them done and I'm like have you done that thing and he's like no I'm like did you look at the, the list and he's like no I'm like he's like I haven't opened that app in two months and I'm like what the fuck <laughs> did you guys like talk about this before so so Mike I so Mike always am I hitting something um, so Mike is very forgetful, but I continue to see these articles online that say like forgetful people are always more intelligent. And I'm like, well, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I think that's just written by forgetful people. <laughs> probably. That's like people that swear a lot are more intelligent. The guy's like, I'm writing a fucking article about how smart I am. More, <laughs> more trustworthy. Yeah, right? Yeah. So I think that he's definitely forgetful. I have a to-do list. I have like this little book in front of me that has all of this information and all of the things that I have to do. And then Mike forgets things. And I'm like, you can't forget, you can't forget. So he's actually started keeping a to-do list on his phone, which he finds very exciting when he gets to check off something on the to-do list. And it even tells you you what time and day you checked it off, which is a really big, (laughs) big deal. So I that's. Mean, I don't cool. get harassed anymore. Well, not as much. Well, we've also. Reduction. Beyond like day to day stuff, like we've also looked at like our roles in the business. Like what, what, who are we and what jobs or tasks fit into those categories, right? So, you know, I'm very much a day to day, let's keep things afloat, let's make sure that we're doing all these things. And Chad's very much the visionary, right? We've said it a million times. If we had two Chads or two Melissas, we wouldn't have a business. We'd be out oh, of business a long time. Absolutely. Right? Like, you know, I, I would I would be like, okay, day to day we're doing this, but don't talk to me about what's happening next year, five years, you know. So I, I'd love to plans. put a pin yeah. in what you're saying right now because you touch on, we touched on a, a couple of things that I think are really valuable to slow down and, and unpack a little for, for the listeners. Um, one, the recognition of personality. Have you guys done any sort of formal communication training personality assessments any of those sort of things we have not technically with each other but we've done it for our staff because early on i realized that it took a while but i realized that the way that i communicate and want to get things done is not the way that most people do Mm -hmm. um so i come off like an absolute asshole and i'm super bossy um, so which, what did you guys use? What to do you know? What sort of? Tool? I don't even remember what it was, but we gave it to our staff early on so that we could determine how they would, how they preferred to communicate, how they preferred feedback, things like mm-hmm. that. Because we were realizing that there was hostility developing if I was just me 
Bark, ultimately and like and, barking orders yeah, and like yeah. saying like this needs to be done this needs to be done this needs to be done and then what was happening was like the workplace ended up being volatile like it yeah. just wasn't yeah. good and yeah. i was like this has to change because i'm gonna lose my mind that which is really hard for you guys i like again i want to point out to anyone listening to recognize as a business owner whether you're a couple that owns a business or not if the place that you have to go, the place that you built is toxic or stressful or mm-hmm. like you can cut that that tension when you walk into a room, that will eat away at you. If it's like you're there every day, this is this thing you're building. And, and even if, and that was something that we've come across in the past at the gym. And it's something to really be aware of as a business owner or as someone that's maybe starting down a path like that is you have to address those things like you guys did. Otherwise, it will not only destroy you personally, but it'll destroy your business too. And I was definitely feeling it like personally, like my mental health was a mess. I was having tension headaches and I didn't understand why and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Ultimately, um, we were able to resolve the situation and our workplace environment has been incredible since. We also had a, a, like a, pretty much entirely different staff at that time when mm-hmm. we used that tool and we haven't done so it with we, our current staff have, actually we have not and we have it's a drastic different it's a, if you look at our office now compared to four or five years ago i mean none of the same faces are there and it, it's a it was a much different environment and we've been able to as as we grow and as we mature and as we kind of figure our shit out because you know, when we first got into this, we had no idea what we were doing. Mm. We, we had no clue. So now there's a slight clue. <laughs> yeah, we're we're still figuring it out, but um, it's it's a drastic change compared to what the environment looked like previously to now. And it, I think it would probably be good to go back and revisit those tools with our current staff. And I agree. Um, I think it would be really beneficial. Although we are, we've said this before with each other that our current staff the team that we have we're so we're so grateful to have the team that we currently have because it just it helps for the the smooth operation um the first week that we got our new ehr system mike had to sit in at the front desk because one of our receptionists was coming in a little bit late and he was sitting up there and i was like how you doing he goes I am very anxious right now. This is a, <laughs> this is very stressful. And it goes to show you, like, when you toss one of us in that role, because, you know, whether Maria or Jen have, like, an appointment or somebody's coming in late or there's something going on with the baby and you just need to take a little bit of extra time and they're mm-hmm. coming in later, leaving early, one of us takes the role and it shows us how much they really do for yeah. us. You know, like, they do so much for us. And we really couldn't do what we do on a daily basis, whether it's running the business or treating patients and finishing patient notes and treatment plans and all of that without their help. Like, I mean, we used to do all of that stuff and it, and it makes me think like, holy shit, like we used to do this ourselves. Like, yeah. no wonder we kind of were struggling for such a long time because mm-hmm. we were trying to wear all of those different caps. And, and what well, I would imagine all everything just gets done half-assed. You know, oh, I'm trying sure. trying to do all of it, so none of it's getting your full attention. Right. None of it's being done Absolutely. well, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. That's, um, so it, as far as some of those things, I think the 
doing those sort of exercises with your staff, doing them personally with yourself is I mean, super valuable. Learning, ones... Yeah, learning more about yourself and your communication styles I think is really helpful to even then just be able to do that with your staff. I communicate yeah. well with other people that are like me, like Melissa. <laughs> well, because you, rec- yeah, but... you recognize what they what makes you tick and what like how you want to hear something and that's most of us we do but i know for me like what i found beneficial is adding a why into what i want like most people are willing to do it but they don't understand the why behind it right so if you say i want this done this way because Mm -hmm. um that's been helpful for me instead of just barking even with my kids like saying your clothes need to be put away like this so that we whatever you know Instead of just, put your clothes away like I asked you. Or do, um, you know, do it the way I want you to do it. What I found is because I'm type A and bossy and slightly aggressive. Um, <laughs> um, Mike just loosened his chair. And took Mechanical dysfunction. <laughs> um, but I've noticed that because of that, I like things done timely and very quickly. So when I ask something to be done, I follow it up with like, did you do it already? And Mike's like, I haven't actually taken a second breath yet. I'm or, not. <laughs> or she'll give me a list of things to do. And by the time she's done with the list, like, she'll did ask you do me, the did first I one? do the first thing yet? I'm like, I'm, I literally haven't written down everything you just asked me to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I realized that if I give time frames, even with our staff, like my sense of urgency is very different than a lot of people we work with, which is not a problem. But if I can give a time frame and say, I need this done at this time, then mm. at least I have the expectation, they have the same expectation. And if it's not done then, then we get to have a conversation about it. Sure. Um, because I would prefer things to be done as soon as possible, but I know that that's not how everybody works now. Well, and it's helped me to reflect on like, are the things I'm asking other people even fair right. or reasonable, right? Important. Do they actually need to, are they important? Do they actually need to happen that way? You know, does my house need to be spotless if someone's coming over for dinner? Like, just specific things that, mm-hmm. like, I have expectations for in my yeah. own head. And then, you know, as a couple, like, there's not a lot of times <laughs> that, like, I actually communicate those things effectively. So I'm like, how come you didn't do that? And he's like, well, I didn't even know you wanted it done that way. And I'm like, just know that like, you should be you know, able to read my mind be so able to is, reflect back on this is i think what you're touching on is is what i wanted to get to with whether you're exploring it for yourself getting to learn or understand with others things like the disc assessment d-i-s-c oh that's the one we did is that the one you did that's okay. the one we did so you have yes. the disc assessment um myers-briggs is another really popular one that we've done the colby a is another popular one we've done um the book it's the four tendencies, the four tendencies. Is that, right? mm-hmm. that was a really helpful one for us as well. So, I mean, there's a million of these out there, uh, various books and tests that you can do yourself that, you know, your spouse can do that co uh, employees, coworkers, et cetera. Um, the, the work comes into really analyzing it and looking at it and then being intentional about how you use that knowledge. So when you talk about clarifying expectations for a staff member, now you're both on the same page. Great. And, and that's, that's kind of like level one, right? Now we both understand what's supposed to be happening, but then what you're talking about is, are these clear, now clear expectations that I'm asking of my employee, are they a thing that I should even ask this employee to do? Is that their strength? And this is one of the things that really Mm -hmm. served us from a business standpoint is we got to a point finally when we started to better understand these things about ourselves. And it was a, a combination of this along with um, 
mental health counseling as a couple and going in and seeing uh, a therapist and talking it out and, and working on our communication, we stopped getting upset with one another for not doing the things that that person is just not inclined to do. And it's not about being lazy and like I'm not willing to do that. It's just it's not in our essence to be that way. And I know she laughed about the like, why aren't you doing the check of the fucking list? And in reality, when we first put those things on my phone, I am excited because I'm looking at it as though, all right, now I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the list checker. I'm going to help Melissa. I'm ready. I have the tool. I understand how to use it. And then the first week or two I do. And then I'm like, nah, whatever. I don't want to do this. <laughs> it's just like eventually my personality will take over even the best intention that I have. So if, if we're better about understanding the way I operate, the way I communicate, it doesn't mean that I can't improve that or change it in, in, in small ways, make it more effective. But her understanding that about me serves her as much as it does me. Because now you're less irritated by someone who is, maybe they're not punctual, right? You have a family member that's never on time. You know they're not going to be on time. So you're not upset as much when they're not on time. Or if you really need them to be on time, you tell them that it starts an hour earlier. Than my family does, used to do that you know? with my dad. Right, like Mike's mom's yeah. never on time. You can you find strategies way. around like, those it things. It starts at one thirty, really starts at two thirty. <laughs> you know, but the, but it, it, it's valuable for all parties involved. It's not about just bending to the whim of the other person. It's about recognizing that by not doing that and forcing something on your employee, your spouse, whomever, your friend, of forcing something on them that's not their natural inclination, it adds more angst and stress to your life because now you're irritated with them because, you know, because they're not doing it the way that you had hoped or you had this expectation, even though deep down you kind of know that they're not that person that, that's going to fulfill that. So I really, I, I can't recommend strongly enough for anyone listening to check some of those various personality tests out. The Four Tendencies is a book. Um, Colby A., Myers-Briggs, and the DISC are uh, their assessments that you can do. And, and we'll link that stuff in the show notes. Um, and I think those are really valuable tools that can feed into the next thing. One of the other things that you touched on, Melissa, which was divisions or division of roles in both your business and your life. Have, have you guys found that you intentionally divided some of that stuff up or just let it kind of happen? It just happened. Those kind of things happen kind of naturally. Um, early on in practice, so... Mike kind of did everything when he was just in the business on his own. Like he was doing obviously all the patient care, but he was doing all of the statistics and the marketing and the everything. Um, once I joined, I probably took over the majority of the marketing. Like I redid the website and I started our social media pages and did all of that. But Mike kept doing all of our statistics. So as we have gotten busier and hired more staff and progressed as a company, I have continued to keep the more so, I guess I would say, management role. Like, I do more of the managing of the staff mm -hmm. and the social media type things. Um, while Mike does all the statistics, all the payroll, he does all the numbers, which is that's his forte. He was an engineer, he was an electrical engineer before he became a chiropractor. Like, that's what he's good at. Mm -hmm. I'm not good at that. I, I, per, I, I like doing that and tinkering with like. Numbers and spreadsheets and, and, and stuff. formulating stuff and then figuring out cool ways that if I run this report, I can plug it into Excel and then it spits out another number. And it's like, I, I wonder what it would I, be like to have a brain like that. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, 
But one thing that we've, <laughs> we've, wanted, we've come to understand that, like, I'm, I do not like doing marketing. Like, I don't like doing, I really don't like writing. I don't like doing the social media posts. I'm trying to be better at it, but it's just something that it's, I don't really enjoy It doesn't doing. come natural to you. Exactly. And it's, it's But numbers do. Yeah, but, I mean, that's something that I, I would prefer to do. Um, Which, it, we've talked about it before, too, is... If it was just me or just him, like, I really don't know if we would be as successful as we are now. Oh, absolutely not. You know, like, if it was just him and he had to do the marketing, like, I'm sure he would have fallen flat because he doesn't enjoy the marketing. And I think if it was just me and I only focused on, like, what's happening today and I wasn't looking at the whole picture and I wasn't paying attention to how much money is coming in and going out and all that, like... I'm sure I would be bankrupt. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, mean, I just, yeah. I just don't know that. there is no questioning it. Like, this happened. When I was early in practice by myself, I floundered for quite a bit. And then when Sarah joined, she was able to grow at a rate exponential to what I did in my first year. Mm-hmm. And it's because we were able to, we had support um, with one another. We were able to kind of, to, you know, delegate certain tasks and it wasn't just one person doing all those things. And so, and we were able to avoid a lot of the mistakes that I was making just because coming out of school as a new grad, like, you know, I was, I was like, I'm going to own my own business. I'm going to run it the way that I want to run it. And that didn't really work. But, yeah. um, and then ever since then, every associate that we've had come on board, we've noticed has basically grown faster than the last. And so it's, it is so important to have kind of those different roles. So you're not wearing the same, you're not trying to do all of the tasks and wear every cap. I said this the other night. We were out for a walk, walking our dog, and we were talking about, you know, business and how busy we are on this thing. Because I asked you, I said, do you feel like getting into <laughs> private practice was much different than you anticipated it was going to be? Absolutely. And, and I said, like, in school, we learn to be chiropractors. We learn to be clinicians, we learn how to treat patients and whatnot, but the other thing that they, school doesn't really teach you is that you basically you have to learn how to be a business owner, you have to learn how to be a marketer, you have to learn how to be an educator, you have to learn how to be a writer, you have to learn how to ha- like be a social media influencer. It's like, how to be a leader to holy, your staff and how to groom staff. Yeah. How crazy. to manage people. I noticed that managing people I think is the hardest part of my job, 100%. Mm-hmm. I don't love it and I'm I really struggled with it early on like we kind of talked about but there's so much that goes into owning a business especially when we came out of an education that teaches you how to be a doctor. It's the same thing if you're going to be a dentist, you know, like you're not getting your MBA, you're getting your dental degree, or you're getting your well, medical I mean, degree. Even us, like we went to school, we were teachers. Mm-hmm. At opening the gym, we were comfortable on the the movement side, I felt great. And on the instruction side. On the instruction side, mm-hmm. I felt great organizing a, an hour-long class with 20 people in it and making sure that everyone, ha- you know, we had no idea what to do on the business side. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's something yeah. we've we've had to seek out and acquire over the last 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, to quote uh, Kurt, you know, we're at this point, I feel like we are intermediate, taking intermediate <laughs> steps forever, yeah. yep. you know, yeah. and... Um, I think one of the things that came to my mind while you guys were talking was this, and it, it, I think in many ways it happened the same way for us. The division of labor starts to almost manifest place, itself yeah. naturally when you are a couple, especially if you have a strong foundation as a couple in communication and understanding of one another. Uh, that can be a lot more difficult if it's 
a business, business par- partnership, right. and it's you're not you know you don't spend all that much time with them. You, you see them at the office, and that might be the end of it. Um, and so it has to be a lot more intentional. And then I think conversations need to happen around that. With that being said, even as husband and wife, Melissa and I have made it a point to have intentional conversations because there's a lot of times where I'll just assume that. Yeah, she likes doing this. I don't know. She's been doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. Real, it's really easy to sit back and be like, okay, well, I'm not going to ask to take that off your plate if you don't want me to. Um, so it, it's, it is valuable to come back and reevaluate what are you getting out of your role in the business these days? Is there something that you want to get better at? That Maybe you don't like it because you just don't have a skill set for it, or maybe you really don't like it. Should we look at should our next hire be a Somebody that does office them. manager? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and because luckily, I don't want to manage yeah. the office. It's not a chiropractor. It's not another clinician. Yeah. It's someone who manages all of this stuff mm-hmm. for us. And yeah. though, and you guys are getting to a point, I would imagine, where uh, it, at first, early in business, it's hard to wrap your head around, like, I'm going to pay someone to just do shit that doesn't bring any money into this business. Mm-hmm. They're just going to manage schedules, and they're going to oversee stuff. Like, but... As you grow and as your team grows, you see the value that value in, in that mm-hmm. position is it, it's it's huge. And so I, you can start to look at that. I mean that happened. Like our first like office staff we hired was a was a patient that basically asked Sarah one day, she's like, I noticed that you guys answer your own phones. And then and she was kinda like, Do she, you still want to do that? Or would you like me to do that? She basically kind of like, you know, Offered Pitched up this, herself for that yeah, job. And, yeah, and you we guys were like, asking. <laughs> we sat down. I mean, Sarah knew her outside of outside of the practice, and um, we kind of had a conversation about it. And we said, you know, she she probably she's very personable. She's very social. You know, very friendly, funny. Uh, we kind of were like, you know, maybe she'd be good as you know answering the phones and being the first person that yeah. a new patient comes in and, and sees and interacts with, and. She had no experience in an office setting like that previously. And people loved it. And we and yeah, and I mean she did a great job for us. I mean there was there were things that like, you know, it took time for her to, to learn, like a lot of the computer software and whatnot, but I mean that's when we took that leap, and I mean it was it was kinda of like an oh shit moment, like are we gonna be able to afford her yeah. and whatnot? And I mean when we brought her on, we grew. And it was because we were able to dedicate more time to the things that were, were more important for mm-hmm. us. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can yeah. imagine you're sitting, where you're working on a patient, you hear the phone ring before you have it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's and, you're, and you're it's, just like, it's just panic. Oh God, that it's could like, be could another, that be, could that that be, could be another patient? client. Yeah. Or if it was a busy day and the phone was ringing constantly, then we have to try and like return calls in between patients and check the voicemails. and, and like, So we called? even noticed that so much more. So when the pandemic started... We shut down the office and we laid everybody off. We had to furlough everybody. And we had to furlough everybody and it was awful. But then we slowly brought, brought providers back and that meant that there was no office staff. So then we made Dr. James and Dr. Caitlin answer the phones between patient appointments and check the voicemails and check their patients out. And they were both like, holy hell, thank God we have somebody to do this for us. You know, like it's... What a great way to build some appreciation in for your oh, fellow yeah. staff members. Oh, yeah. Know? You know, there was even times where, you know, Alex was answering the phone or Mike was answering the phone. And unfortunately, they're just not very great at it, which is okay. You know, like well, we hire people... you don't people, do something and then right. all of a sudden you're tasked to do it, it's like, oh, shit. Like, uh... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How, how, do I, how do I do this? And 
we mentioned it earlier. I, I had to sit at the front desk and check people out, like last answer week. the phones, and like <laughs> schedule new patients. And with a new You're system, a out of uh, out of practice, yeah, out of touch. Like, and it it drastically reminded me, like, oh my god, I'm so thankful yeah. that we have people to do this, yeah. and they do oh, a yeah. good job with it. And it just is. Well, Get me out of this position. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go back to what I'm good at. That and that, you know what that that speaks to beyond being out of practice. If it's if it's not your thing, right? And a lot of times, we have a tendency, myself included, to view if I feel like I have a certain skill set that is quote unquote more valuable to the situation than another skill set, and then I, I kind of downplay that. So if I'm the doctor. And now I got to answer phones. I'm like, oh, anyone can answer phones. And then you get into it and you're like, oh my God, you're, you don't, you, you just don't have a flow and you're stressed out. And you're like, Jesus. But if you never had the opportunity to step back in there, I mean, what a great, valuable lesson to just as a reminder that yeah, this person, they have a workflow, they have a rhythm to what they do, they have a system to what they do, and they're good at it. Yeah. And, and that's their kind of, that's their skill set, that's their superpower. And I think that's really valuable for people to recognize in general when they think about, they start getting, you know, they're telling themselves their own story about how important they are and how vital their role is to the business above someone else's. Your role is vital and theirs is too. And that, that spills over into things like relationships and all that sort of stuff as well. I mean, the if, again, our relationship wouldn't work if Melissa and I were very much the same personality. I think a lot of what always comes into my mind in, uh, with regards to any topic is this idea of balance or yin and yang or the dance of these two opposing forces. You need that. There's so much value in it. And if you don't have it in your, you know, in your partnership in a business, then your number one goal should be to find someone to create that balance. Yeah, luckily, right? luckily the four of us have found yeah, balance we in found one the another. opposite, right? Yeah. And that's why it works. But yeah, if you if you own a business with even a business partner or spouse and you find that you're the same person or you have the same skill sets, like actively seeking out someone yeah. for the opposite. Yeah. yeah, 100%. We notice it at home too. Like I don't love to cook. I'm like good at a couple things, but Mike definitely does more of the cooking at our house. Um, and I do more of the cleaning, but that's fine. You know, the only thing I'd like you to do Additionally, is like put your dishes in the dishwasher. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, that's but, happening in real time, everyone. But other than that, like we kind of have our own roles at yeah. home too, and like do a lot of that stuff together, which is definitely helpful. Um, and he does like all the building of things. Yeah, but it's interesting. So transitioning into like you guys talking about potentially being parents one day, how do you foresee roles? That you'll be taking there. I'm gonna be the mean one. one. (laughs) Moms are always the mean one, I think. Mm. I don't know. My dad was scary, but your dad was kind of scary. Yeah, my dad was scary. My mom was scary too, but it wasn't like she's not very. I wasn't actively afraid of her. (laughs) I wasn't actively afraid. (laughs) My my we joke. Me and my brother joke like my dad if 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 we were pushing his buttons or whatever like we we ran the risk of the finger poke of doom. And he would just give us one swift finger poke into the chest. Like, <laughs> as a kid. He never had us. He never had us as kids. But, holy shit, that got our attention real quick. <laughs> and, um, but we've kind of, 
we've joked about this for years that Sarah will be the disciplinarian and I'll be the one that they come to and and say Sarah, doc, and, or and, they say mommy's Dr. Sarah. Dr. Sarah. <laughs> Sarah's going to demand that her children call her Dr. Sarah. And staff say that anyways. Like, Dr. Sarah's me. <laughs> but we kind of, because like, I'm, I'm more, I probably would say I'm more ready to have kids sooner rather than later, but that probably has more to do with the fact that I'm a little bit older. But also like, I'm a kid at heart. Realistically, I am a I am a kid at heart. Like I, I still, me and my buddies will still play video games. Like we, will go paintballing and and like recently before the pandemic, like alley axe throwing and like I I love to do. You like to play. Yeah, I like to play. And <laughs> so like I'm looking forward to when we when we have kids and they're like six, seven years old, and you know introduce them to. Legos and superheroes, yeah, and, and video <laughs> games and all that stuff. Because like that's I'm I'm super pumped for that stuff. And then sports too. On top of it, I played football for 14 years. Like yeah, I I'm ex- I played baseball for for 10 years. I, I did bowling and golf, and I mean I did a lot of stuff. So I'm excited to 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 do that and and kind of have and support whatever activity they want to partake well, I think in. I think your roles are going to naturally play out similar to our roles where like you're the go outside and climb everywhere and I play with them but they're much more creative with you mm-hmm. and I'm the who needs extra underwear in their backpacks for school and who, who do we have to buy snack this yeah, week yeah it was and, just up to me you know, kids like, naked half the time <laughs> you know like just really getting back to the day-to-day stuff. Do we have enough food? Do we have food in the house? Like, not that you wouldn't feed them, but like, you know, it's our roles are <laughs> our roles are very different. You're fasting um, today, Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> and our kids, our kids' reactions to us are very different. I think because of those roles, well, the expectations they have from us. Also, like Mike, way more than me. <laughs> they also think Mike is way more fun. I mean, just probably not false. <laughs> Dylan said she could be your friend. You I could be her friend. But she's got a crush on Mike. <laughs> well, she probably recognizes that Sarah's kind of sad. She probably loves you because you're like she's like oh, she's like my mom. <laughs> she's like I I kind of get her. I recognize this. Um, but so it's interesting. Like owning a business, obviously people say all the time, "No time is the right time." You you'll know, never to be have ready. kids. You'll never be ready. Blah blah blah. But you know. Our goal was we wanted to be able to go to Europe, and then we would talk about having kids. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to go to Europe in November of 2020. Um, COVID shit all over that. And then that didn't happen. So sure. now we're kind of like, okay, well, you know, maybe in 2021, 2022, we can go to Europe and do that. But it's also like, okay, well, if we can't go to Europe now, like right now, do we consider having kids first? Well, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're self-employed business people with the chance that everything can get shut down or we might not be able to have enough patience to support our staff and to support ourselves. Like, is it really a good time for mm. us as self-employed business people to decide to have children? In my opinion, probably not. That's not to say that a family who is self-employed shouldn't be having kids right now, but is it the right time for us? Probably not. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't want to one day. It just means that our timeline is pushed a little bit. Sure. Because... Yeah. You know, it's hard. Like, we went through, I don't think I've ever experienced anxiety before. And then in March, when we had so much unknown with masks and 
being a healthcare provider and could you get it at work and having to lay off staff and things like that. Like it was extremely stressful. And I... And we took a pretty substantial hit financially. Yeah, and we took a big financial hit in the second quarter, which I'm sure tons of businesses across the world did. You know, but we're looking at this, like we are the ones that are ultimately responsible for seven other people that are on our staff. You know, that's a big responsibility. And when you are hoping to keep them employed during a worldwide pandemic, that's really what's most important right now is to make sure that I can still feed their families before I need to decide to have my own right now. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we're stressed out about or anxious about, and there's still so many unknowns when it comes to what's going on, you know, economically with this pandemic and things like that. So, you know, is it the right time right now? Probably not. Do we still want to go to Europe? Hell yeah. Um, and do I want to go to Europe with a toddler? Probably not. And I'm <laughs> pretty sure that my mom isn't going to be like, yeah, sure, I'll watch your toddler for two weeks while you go to Europe. You know, like, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. But it also goes to the fact that the Canadian border is still shut and my whole family's in Canada. Like, do I want to have the baby? I've, I've had the baby right now and risk not being able to see my family? Also, no. Sure. Yeah. You know, like that's a big thing too. Do I want to have a baby and have my mom not be in Rochester? Have my sister not be able to meet the baby for how long? You know, those are personal relationships. Like I haven't seen my family in over a year, which is extremely abnormal for me. Um, we would normally go back and forth to Canada like every six weeks. So not being able to see my family for that extended period of time definitely goes back into the conversation about are we ready to have a family right now? No, I want my I want my family here. Sure. You know, so that's a big hurdle as well. Um, you guys have you certainly have some some unique hurdles to consider compared to, you know, when, when we were having these discussions for sure. And I think you touched on something about we, the whole it's it's never the, yeah. the right time. And you're hundred percent right, and there's always gonna be challenges. For us, the the conversation around it's never the right time but there's certainly a wrong time yeah. was when people were asking us pretty shortly after we moved back here if we were going to start having kids. And I'm like, we live in my friend's basement. <laughs> Neither of us have any income coming in, and we have no health insurance. He buys our groceries. We probably shouldn't have children right now. Like, that just seems like an irresponsible <laughs> thing to do, right? Um, you know, we'll just continue to practice. And so th- there's always those th- those sort of... He said that very to... passively, and I kind of missed it at first. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all, you always, you have to consider those sort of things. I think what I try, it, we were we were the first out of our friend group to have kids, right? Was there anyone? Yes. I'm trying to think. Um, and so we talked a lot to a lot of uh, couples that were either starting to think about it, or they were, they were in the, the midst of trying, um, or they were expecting we talked a lot about at least what our experience was and kind of where our head was at. And, and I caution people that were in that considering it phase to just make sure that the story of all the reasons why not don't run away and create this narrative that is that is like the truth. Like we shouldn't have kids because of these things. So these are things to consider. And a lot of them are strong considerations. And especially, I mean, touching on the family one, we can tell you firsthand how difficult it is to have children and not have family support in the area. That we, in you know, my sister moved here uh, a little over a month ago, and it's been just profoundly impactful for us 
in just these little ways, just to have someone else yeah. to, for the girls well, and to see we, and be around and for her to help when we, we need We were them. able to have help when they were born and how impactful that was. Yeah, yeah, your mom yeah. came up for two months when Dylan I mean, yeah, was first born. Yeah, she here for a long time, very helpful. And just simple things, like I would take care of the baby and she would cook and clean. She'd be like, you want dinner? I'm like, oh yeah, I guess yeah, I should probably eat, you know? Like, just simple yeah. things like that where, you know, I can totally feel for that. And, and I, both of my parents are retired, you know, but they're in Canada and right now you can't cross the land border. Mike's mom still works full time, you know, like, being having the opportunity and she works for herself she's a real estate agent she works for herself so yeah. saying like hey can you just hang out with us for two months and not work is not a reasonable thing to ask somebody sure. you know so that makes it a little bit tricky as well um also you know we have a lot of friends that have kids obviously our group of friends everybody's got children we're like one of the few couples that doesn't but when you talk to everybody and you're talking about like how much childcare is and how much daycare is and how much preschool is and how much school is if you want to send them to a private school and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, those are things that we also have to consider as well because there is obviously the chance that having offset schedules and being able to take care of a kid on your offset schedule time is going to be unrealistic. Uh, well, it's also, I, it's I also imagine, exhausting. Yeah, I was yes. just going to say, you know, it's like, not it's even really that it's hard a chance. To work, to work all morning and then come home and be like, high five, cool. Screaming baby. Bye. Yep. <laughs> you know, you're everywhere. You right. know, like, and we we did that for a long time mm -hmm. before we sent Dylan to school. And, it, you know, it, it wears on you as a couple, too, because you're, mm -hmm. like, literally high-fiving in the kitchen yeah. and being like, okay, peace, see you later. You know, and not... I'm, yeah, I'm glad you, you, that you brought that up because it's exactly what I was going to say. It is, it's not sustainable. It is a tool that you can keep in your tool belt. You can certainly do it. it and when the baby is younger tool. and they sleep a lot and you're able to, like, put them in a little, you know, rocker thing next to you while you're working from home or cleaning the kitchen, like, that's a thing. And you only but have like, one. And you only have one, yeah. But then they start to walk and they start to mm -hmm. yell and, and yeah, like, and then, you know, and then it becomes a lot more difficult, especially if you need to like do patient notes that you didn't get done at the office. Like mm -hmm. that's not really a doable thing with a toddler. Right. You know, so those are things that we have to also consider. Like, are we willing to spend thousands of dollars a month to either send them to school or send them to preschool and have them learn? Like we obviously want them to get a very good education. So that is likely going to mean more money, you know? Mm -hmm. So is that financially, are we ready to do that at six months in, at a year in, at a year and a half in, mm -hmm. to be able to do that yeah. and not be sacrificing like our mental health, our lifestyle per se, you know? Like, does that mean I want to feed my kids like the best possible food and I eat ramen noodles? No, you know, I don't want that. Sure. We want to be able to like, provide for our family and have the expendable income to be able to do those things as well, you know? Yeah. So being in the middle of a pandemic, should I be willing to do that until things are looking a little bit better on the other side? I don't know, you know? So there's a lot of questions that go into it. Um, yeah, it, mm -hmm. it, it popped into my mind while we were talking about this and, and when you said the, the whole handoff and thing. You guys met Dr. Sean Pestuch and I remember him and I were talking at one point, and I'm sure he's put this out on social media, about needing to and wanting to keep uh, a caretaker on staff for his little girls because for the exact reason that Melissa said. He, you know, he's going out, he's trying to 
work all day and he's putting a ton of energy and effort into all this stuff and he realized that he just couldn't come home and just be like here here's the kid but also his wife needed like a respite too you you can't rely on yeah. thinking well you've been home all day with a kid just hanging out like there's an element of work and stress that's oh yeah that's, can be very challenging mm-hmm. in that and and the same thing for the person coming out of the office or coming back from work or whatever they're doing is they're not they've been putting energy out into the world all day too and so it's it's very difficult and not I don't want to I hate using the word fair but it's not fair to expect that person coming home to be energized enough to be like take the kid and go and it's also not fair for the person coming home to expect the person that's been there all day to be like no just keep taking care of the kids for another couple hours while I decompress and so those are things to consider in that it, it makes a better environment for your child for yourselves and everything just flows a little bit better and we we have friends that they look at those sort of expenses as unnecessary as they're like well why are you spending so much money on that like well because there's a a bunch of different reasons right it's very important to us that we love the school that our girls go to um you know we send them to a, a montessori school we appreciate their approach um the the girls really enjoy it and we need that time. Without that time, it's like buying time for us to be able to come and work on our business. And it would be much the same for you guys. I would imagine if you spent a year or two, never, like almost never talking to each other about the business. You, you know, one of you goes into work, and then you switch. And the other one goes into work. And you don't really sit yeah. together. That would be detrimental to your business. So those are I'm, I'm almost I'm interested to watch the evolution for you guys because I think that you might actually like start to have the same schedule that way maybe you like you don't have to be so opposite and good point yeah Yeah. it also so we now have myself and two other female chiropractors you know eventually everybody's gonna have babies so like we also have to consider like when am i gonna have a baby when is dr caitlin gonna have a baby when is rachel gonna have a baby if she wants to in the future you know like when are people going to be having children because if we're out for three or four months on maternity leave like all three of us can't be out at the same time, yeah. or that's a really big problem. Yeah, but I mean, there's also you know locum coverage, right? Right, like, right. You could, you could, could do bring locum coverage. To do coverage for us. But and... so there's a problem. There's a way to solve that problem yes, should it arise. Exactly. So, I don't yeah. think it would arise necessarily, but um, it's definitely you know conversations that you have to have with the female yeah. staff too. Yeah. Um, well, it yeah. it comes back to recognizing what's important to you. What is. Um, you know, is there a timeline associated with this? Because the other thing, too, is a lot of people tend to forget, you know, you probably don't want to wait forever to have kids. Mm -hmm. We had this conversation in regards to um, not only Dylan, but also really Aubrey about should we have a second kid? Is it reasonable? I mean, on paper, we should have had no kids. No kids. (laughs) We, we We are not anywhere close, nor have we been close to financially stable since we since Dylan was in Melissa's belly. That is never like you know, you could make the argument I guess while I was at Warrior Salute that we were that was the most stable we were financially. Um, but what we started talking about was things beyond that because you can start to problem solve all those other external factors. Just like Mike said with bringing other clinicians on um, if it's the thing that you want and need in your life then when and why are you going to do it? And then all the other stuff 
you need to know and you need to consider what is happening with the rest of your staff. How do we afford this, that, and the other thing? You know, what are we going to do with all these things? Those are all really important questions to ask uh, because there'll be challenges that you have to figure out and, and overcome. For us, it was we felt a strong compulsion to be parents. And we got to a certain point. I said, I don't want to be an old man with my kids where I, I'm, you know, I don't want to wait till I'm 38 to have our first kid. It just didn't make sense to me. And then the same thing, basically the same conversation around having Aubrey was, you know, we want our girls to be close enough in age that they're friends. We don't want to have kids that are six years apart mm -hmm. so that they're, you know, they got to wait until they're adults before they're really truly friends, right? We don't want a kid to have to be a caretaker for another kid, you know, as they're, as they're growing up. And in a lot of ways, if you put that stuff on paper, it would have made no sense for us to make either of those decisions um, and we just found a way as we've as we've gone by and most parents do it's Absolutely. not like we're skilled in that in that set I think the biggest thing that served us within all of those conversations were really just getting down to what are our fundamental areas of importance as parents what are the things that we're going to focus on the most that are are quote-unquote non-negotiables and we're making sure that one another were on the same page with those things. And then how that actually gets implemented, that you'll figure that out, just like the division of labor in your business. Mm -hmm. It's the division of labor in parenthood. You know, but ultimately it was one of the beautiful things that I think we maybe accidentally did. I certainly I don't think it was a a real thought out intentional thing, but Melissa and I had but a lot of conversations. Works. You wanted to, I was like, How are we gonna have a kid day to day? And you're like, What does this mean for our life? That's, well, yeah, and what and goes what are, back to who who we are fundamentally. Sure, but it, and my point was with with Dylan, you and I had a lot of conversations about who we wanted to be as parents. Mm -hmm. What like what were the values that were the most important and the things we were going to do every day with our girls, and we had a lot of those conversations with uh, when she was pregnant with Dylan. And the value of that was we had almost zero of those conversations when she was pregnant with Aubrey because at that point you're well, chasing a two-year-old. She just needed to fall into place. Correct. She just needed to figure it out. But, yep. <laughs> but what we notice is there's a lot of parents that skip that conversation on the first one just as there's a lot of people that go into business together that skip those first conversations. Like, what do we want this to look like? It doesn't mean that those things can't evolve as time goes by, but putting it on the table so that you're – you're both at least kind of pointed in the same direction in terms of what you're hoping to get out of this crazy journey of parenthood or business ownership or whatever it is that you're embarking on. It, that, I think, was probably one of the smartest and most valuable things that we did. So, um, it, I mean, I, I would definitely put that out there as a recommendation for anyone looking to go down this road, whether you're working with your spouse or not, is start to have those kind of deep long-term conversations about what what your life as a parent looks like and what's the most important lessons that you want to start to instill in your kids because as soon as they're I mean as soon as they're even a being you're teaching them you, even when they're when they're inside their mother you know and you can't wait till the shit hits the fan proverbially when the baby's out throwing their poop around to start <laughs> being like this is going to be the time when I'm going to figure out what I need to do as a parent because you're going to be tired. And it'd be just like you guys trying to come up with a business plan in the middle of being swamped, right? It's it's really hard to do. Oh, yeah. Um, so what would you say, as we get ready to, to wrap up here, what would you say is 
the kind of the biggest aha moments or the biggest things that you guys have either done or practiced to bring value, stability to your relationship, to your business, all those sort of things. What are a couple of those things that you're like, this is, this really helped us by doing this or by doing that or not doing this or not doing that. Is there anything that comes to mind as kind of a major factor that played into your success, the success of Pinnacle Hill, the success of your relationship? I think, honestly, slowing down over the last year, I I think was huge for us as a relationship and us as a business and like me personally um I think that I was on the fast track to being burnt out at 35 100% you know I was stressed I was always on and following like starting in September we only came back to work four days a week instead of five um and it was probably the best decision I could have made to clarify we when we we shut down for about 10 days in the beginning of the of the pandemic and then when we came back and we were there was literally just the providers that were in the office we were only in the office three days a week ourselves and then our our other providers were in the office two days a week and then we slowly were able to bump them back up once restrictions were lifted and we were able to kind of go back to somewhat normal operations we went up everyone was at three days a week and then following that we made the decision to only come back for four days a week because we had recognized that the work life balance was so much better with three days in the office four days at home we were able to do way more stuff i mean we built we spent way more time outside this past year than we have in the last 10 years we built like we built a deck we did projects around the house um and we were like this is it's it's not worth the stress of working five days a week yeah we still work five six seven days a week now it's just totally different different. and the urgency is different behind it right Mm -hmm. that's a good i like that yeah so we're not as we're not as um we're not as stressed in the sense of having to be in the office all the time and be on all the time and so now we have these days worked into our schedule i mean sarah has three-day weekends every weekend yeah and i think that that's been really beneficial for her because she can still go and do the things that she wants to do and but still she she works on top of that still and then i i have my thursdays are off like today thursday we're doing this and then after that i have to go and do some more payroll stuff and then i'm like this evening i'm going to be hanging out with my 89 year old grandmother um who requires a lot of care and so like that's i'm fortunate to have it otherwise like i'd be you know at the office and Working we wouldn't on. be able to yeah. have this conversation right now yeah yeah and would you say it's, that that's like one of the most like profound things that we've like noticed and like has helped us i, I mean Back, going back to when I was an engineer and being in the office, sitting in the cube for 50, 55 hours a week and having very little time at home. And I mean, that was really stressful and miserable. And where I was living, it was really like during the winter, it was very cold. 
and when the sun went down on Sunday, you didn't see it again until Saturday morning because I'd be in the office before the sun came up, and then I'd leave after it went down. And I never believed in, in um, seasonal depression until then. Yeah. When you don't see the sun for like six days, it's like, what the fuck? What is going on? Yeah. And and I, I kind of recognized that was a big reason why I wanted to, to own my own business because I didn't want to be at the beck and call of an employer. And then also, and then now, as being self-employed, we can make that decision to say, you know what? No. Everybody's only working four days a week. Yeah. But it's also, I think it's important to point out too, that it's very easy to then become the, now you're at the beckoning wheel of the business. Even if you own it, it's really easy to, to like to go down that slippery slope of, well, I need to work 60 hours a week because it's my business. And there's going to be times where you probably have to at one, one oh, way, yeah. shape, or form. But there, it, it's important to recognize that you can choose something else and that you can find solutions and that there's value in that. And I would even say this is something that's came up to, with, with us recently, um, you know, looking down the road when you guys do decide to, to start a family and you're going down that path, what you've done here is laid a great foundation because the weekends, you're not off when you have a kid. We had this conversation around, we need to have at least a day a week where we don't have any expectations in terms of work. If we're feeling motivated and we wanna write or we wanna do a, a podcast, or we wanna do some of that, absolutely. But other than that, it should be a day for us to just go do something on our own or together or a little bit of both. Because when Saturday and Sunday come around, those are some of the longest 48 hours of our life. Right? And not you're on. You're on. Talk about being on. Yeah. Being on all, all the time. The whole time. Yeah. Right? And especially right now during the pandemic, it's it's added that there's less things for us to do with the girls. Um, but we recognized recently, Melissa brought this up, that that's not a break. So working here all week yeah. and then going into the weekend, we'd come in a lot of times on Mondays and just I, like, you're like I can't you're like, get anything yeah. done today because you're exhausted from it. So I think you guys set a nice foundation for success by doing that now. And I remember you guys talking about that earlier on in the pandemic and it was it was really awesome. And I was really proud of you guys for making that choice and sticking to it. It was a really cool thing to see because it's easy to just, can, we, we have a culture that that awards and prides itself on grind every day, rise and grind, work your ass off. Like, and I'm not advocating for not working hard, but balance mm -hmm. is what we need. And I think you guys have really found a, a nice solution to that balance problem. Uh, another huge reason for that is, I mean, obviously grinding is, a, is important, but like as chiropractors, we, the, the profession is notorious for eating its own young. Mm -hmm. And basically getting new hires and just working them to death. And, and we don't want to do we that. We don't want to do that. We want to make sure that our associates enjoy their work. They're not ground, you know, ground down in a matter of a few years. And then they go, well, well screw this. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go find a different job. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't like turnover. So we want to keep the people that we have. And we're hoping that the team we have right now are the people that we retire with. Sure. And it's it's just something that we when we first got into practice, we very early said like we don't want to be, we don't want to have people leaving here with horror stories because they felt that they weren't we're taken advantage, advantage of, advantage of weren't getting paid what they were sure. worth, 
and we hear, I mean, we have friends and colleagues that took jobs right out of school and they were underpaid and they were overworked and they are miserable. And so we really are trying to change that mentality. And it was yeah. really a goal of ours from day one and it's never changed. That's awesome. That's and I'm sure you guys have just by doing it for yourselves, whether you recognize that or not, you are, you're cultivating that because if you were trying to say, we're going to do this for our employees, but then you didn't practice what you're trying to implement for them. It sends a mixed message to them and is a recipe for resentment for you because now you're looking like I'm protecting your schedule. I'm keeping you low stress, but I'm carrying the burden of it. So it's, mm -hmm. it's important that you guys have taken the steps that you have personally within there to cultivate that sort of culture amongst your staff. So they see it is okay for me to work three or four days a week and, I can be successful with that, and I can be probably even more successful doing that because it, it, I have the energy to keep you know, growing and being interested in my craft and, and all those sort of positive things that come from having enough time to rest and recover between you know, your efforts. Um, awesome. Mike, Sarah, thank you both so very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, we cannot wait to see you guys as parents when you are ready. And uh, we love seeing your business grow, so we wish you, you the best on both of those endeavors. Thank you. And we'll see you guys soon. Thank you, guys. All right, everyone. Take care. Uh, subscribe. Send us some, uh, some love. Give us some comments, some ideas, if there's anything in particular that you'd like to hear more about. Until next time, this is our human experience. Thank you.